a real privilege to be here. As Dr. A said, this is like home for us. We came in 1977, and when we were 26 years old, and uh, we were it's sitting where you are sitting, right here. This is like hallowed ground for us, my wife and I. And uh, we, have just, we could just talk all night about the wonderful things that God did for us uh, while we were sitting where you were sitting. We were awesome. Uh, we were just touched our lives. And, of course, Dr. Brother Ben Dodds-White was the first one who, who kind of broke me in on the mission field one late night in Kinshasa in the Congo when we were being chased by police. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to survive that night. But it was, uh, this truly has been, uh, Elam has been home for us. And so as I was uh, seeking the Lord for what to share with the uh, theme being open, right, that's open, I felt clearly a word to share with you tonight. And I'm going to share with you as a person who's part of the family. Even though we haven't seen each other, I've, so I've got some of our Faith Temple family here, Faith Church family here, hallelujah. And, uh, but uh, even though you haven't seen me, I'm part of this family. And my wife and I are very, very proud to be part of this family. And so the title of our message, and this is the theme uh, that was given to us by Brother Matt, is uh, Open Heaven. And so I'm going to stick to that title. That's what the Lord has impressed on me to do. And you'll see how it fits in with all the things that many of you uh, have said tonight. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for all that we've heard, even before I've even opened my mouth, Lord, we've... We've received enough to say glory and praise be to your name. And we are absolutely convinced, Father, that you are the Lord over the nations. And that missions is uh, at the very essence of your heart. That uh, the, the name of your son, Jesus Christ, might be proclaimed throughout all the earth. And so we thank you, Lord, that you have looked at us, at us and have chosen us to be the extension of that thing that, uh, is, that you're most passionate about, and that is to reach the world with the gospel of your Son. So we thank you. Bless this word, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read beginning from John chapter 1, beginning with verse 50 through verse 52. And, uh, and most of these verses are very familiar to you. But it's going to be in the context of uh, the title of the message, Open Heaven. And Jesus answered him, uh, him being Nathaniel. Remember, Nathaniel was the one that said, Behold, is there anything good can come out of Nazareth? He didn't believe that the Messiah could come out of Nazareth. But when Jesus met him and when Jesus talked with him very early and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile or no deceit, Nathaniel was absolutely convinced from that moment on that the person that he had encountered was the Lord, the gospel, the, the, the Messiah, the one that had been promised to Israel. And Jesus answered him and said, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Verse 51. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending, and descending on the Son of Man. 
Now, Jesus' statement here, it was clearly directly related to Genesis chapter 28, when there was an open heaven experience that Jacob had in Genesis 10, 28. Jacob was on the run from his brother whom he had, he had deceived. But in his journey, he had this amazing encounter with the Lord. Heaven, the Bible says, heaven opened up to him. And Jacob saw a ladder with angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth. But the big difference here is when Jesus made reference to that, that amazing event of open heaven, all the way back to the day of Genesis in the very beginning. The big difference is that Jesus was declaring that he would be that ladder. Jacob saw a ladder. Jesus was saying, I am the ladder. I am the bridge between heaven and earth. And so tonight, as we talk about an open heaven, let's understand that open heaven means it is tangible proof of heaven on earth, that it's possible, that in spite of everything that you and I might experience in life, it is possible that we can experience heaven on earth. Hallelujah. It represents times of God's presence being poured out over the life of an individual, of a church, of a Bible college, of a city, and of a nation. When there is an open heaven, you can be sure of this, that there's going to be a spiritual awakening, there's going to be a sense of revival, outpoured blessings, and manifestations, manifestations of the glory and the power of God. Hallelujah. When a window in heaven has been opened, those under the opening experience miracles, healings, supernatural provision, and other extraordinary manifestations. There are divine revelations. Divine revelations when God communicates the mysteries of our faith uh, so personally and intimately and brings to us a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to his people. Now, many people believe, and I believe, and I know many of you believe, that in light of the times that we're living in right now, the times that we're living right now in 2021, that God is sending seasons of open heavens with more and more frequency. You're gonna, it's going to happen more often when heaven meets earth, when heaven invades earth, when there are manifestations of the power and the glory of God, extraordinary things that God orchestrates at times and in seasons that he determines. Now, I said that many believe that in light of the times that we're living in. What are the times we're living in? I believe we're living in a time of an acceleration of God's plan. Of God's plans. Things, life is accelerating. Now, I know you've heard this before. Things are speeding up. Especially as it relates to the kingdom of God. Things are speeding up. We're living in a time of acceleration. I believe that this time that we're living in right now 
is the 11th hour in the Matthew chapter 20 parable of the workers in the vineyard. Now, you know that parable. When the landowner went out to hire laborers in the first hour, the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and then the 11th hour. And with one hour remaining, before the harvest time is over, the landowner, who is God himself, the land is the world, God himself, is accelerating the work of the harvest to ensure that in this last hour's remaining, his plans are fulfilled according to his timetable. I want you to know that God has a timetable. And that timetable will not be delayed no matter what happens in the earth today. But he will do unusual things to facilitate, to ensure those objectives that he's, that he's already set will be accomplished. You know, in the book, and I don't know, Dr. A, if this is still a requirement, reading Willow in the Wind, but it's a, a wonderful book. My book, original book, is just falling apart. It's just falling apart. I have to use a rubber band to keep it together. I refer to it so often. Somebody said, well, why don't you get another book? Because that's all my notes are in that book. And I don't dare lose those notes over the years. But in the book, Will in the Wind, one of the early church fathers in this Elam movement stated what, the God, what God's purposes for Elam was to be. Now, they were not at Elam at the time when he wrote this, when he said this. That there was something very prophetic about Elam now moving, Elam family moving to Elam, to here to Lima, excuse me, to Lima, moving to Lima. And he said this, the vision is to prepare workers for the gathering of the harvest in this 11th hour. Wow! That was how clearly one of the early church fathers saw the purpose for Elam here in Lima. That in, the, in this 11th hour, God was preparing workers for the gathering of the final end time harvest. That is why you are here. You are here at Elam. You are here to be workers. There, there's no such thing as a Christian that we become spectators. It is absolutely not part of the job description of a Christian. <laughs> it's not. We're all called to be workers. Now, our fields are separate and they're different, but we're all called to be workers. And, and you are here because you're being called to be a workers. Yes, workers in end time, end time seasons in God's harvest. You know, I, I, I just want you to know something. That in spite of all the negativity in the world today, this is the best time to be alive as a Christian. Because as things grow darker, the light gets brighter. There is no better time right now to serve the Lord, to lift up his banner, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. The whole purpose of God orchestrating a season of an open heaven is so that God can accomplish specific 
specific kingdom objectives and purposes in the life of his people so that they may be so that they may fulfill his calling upon their lives. It is not just so that we can have uh, Pentecostal goosebumps with open heavens. But God is seeking to reveal something to you and, and open up in our minds and hearts something that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered the heart of a people unless God shows it. That is the reason and purpose for an open heaven. This evening, we're going to highlight some of those objectives and purposes for an open heaven, which I want to highlight from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And so let's turn to Isaiah chapter 6. It's a very familiar scripture. In most missions conferences, you quote from Isaiah chapter 6. But I want to talk about Isaiah 6 because it clearly illustrates for us the purpose of open heavens and what it is that God seeks to accomplish. Remember, it is not just to give us Pentecostal goosebumps. There are things that God is pursuing in our lives in order to fulfill a calling that he has for us. And so in Isaiah chapter 6, Beginning with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. Mark that. In the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. High and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And then he said, and he said, God said, Go and tell this people. What an amazing passage of scripture. I don't think I've ever read this without feeling something Something new, something fresh. It's, it's been around for a long time, but there are ways that the Holy Spirit gives us a new understanding or new application, a new interpretation that just kind of says, wow. And so when I was looking about this topic of open heaven, I began to see this from uh, uh, the point of, of what, what is God's goal when he, when he, when he caused heaven to open up over our lives? 
What is he after? What is he seeking? Hallelujah. And so let's begin. The death, it begins with the death of King Uzziah. Which represents a significant change in the circumstances of life. It represents a time of new uncertainty as to what life was going to be like after King Uzziah dies. Uzziah was a powerful and he, he was a godly king. Now, he messed up at the end of his life and caught leprosy. But for the most part, he was, he was a godly king and, and, and through him God brought forth tremendous spiritual reform. And so his death represents a time of major social and governmental transition. And, 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 and what I'm trying to say by all this is that we, right now, we are living in a time of major transition and upheaval in our society. We, we, we're, we're like a ship in a great ocean without a sail and without a compass. And we're being tossed to and for, fro by fierce winds and waves. You see, Isaiah's experience was like ours. And when people are desperately, when people are desperately looking for answers to complex and overwhelming problems. But you see, it's in times like this when God provides his people with an open heaven. In the midst of transitions, in the midst of crises, in the midst of uncertainty, whether it's on a personal level, and maybe some of you are going through crisis right now, or on a larger level when a whole nation or a city is in crisis, God provides his people with an open heaven. You see, God wants his people to always, no matter what life circumstances are all about, he wants his people to fix their eyes on Jesus. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what's happening in your family, your own personal life, no matter what's happening in your city or in your nation, God says, look at me. Fix your eyes on me. And he will orchestrate in some measure or form an open heaven. You see, in the midst of turmoil and uncertainty, of all things, we who are called Christian, we must see the Lord high and lifted up. We must see him. God wants his people to walk in a new and a fresh revelation of the Lord. There's something about the 12 disciples who first only thing they heard, follow me. <laughs> you know, it's wonderful. Here's a man they never knew, they never met before, and all he says to them, follow me. And they just got up and, and just followed him. But through that time of, of, of journeying with the Lord, there were things that he did, there were things that he said that were new and fresh every day that confirmed, yes, this is the Messiah. This is the Lord. 
And no matter how many years we've served the Lord, there's something new and fresh about Jesus every day. And that new and fresh revelation will help us to face the challenges in our day. You see, in verse 1 of chapter 6, we know that Israel's king, Uzziah, dies. But the point is, but Israel's God is still alive. King Uzziah died as a leper in a hospital. But the king of kings, the Lord of lords, still sits on a throne. Can I say hallelujah? Hey! He still sits on a throne. Elam is a place where there are seasons and times of an open heaven. It is. That's what makes Elam, Elam. From time to time, in your classroom, during chapel services, in prayer times, on your student outreaches, even on campus work assignments, and even during your study time, God's presence can at any moment be poured out upon you, upon your life. A window in heaven has been opened up, and you will hear, you will see, you will experience deeper and more profound knowledge of the Lord and his kingdom, which will forever mark your life for his purpose and his glory. Oh! <laughs> I was in a missions conference right here in this tabernacle. We were worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden, heaven opened up. Boom, just like that. And God said, turn your eyes to that map. Right here to this map right there. Turn your eyes to that map. My eyes just got real big. I had seen this map over and over again. And God says, look at that map. He says, now point to Africa. I said, okay. I pointed to Africa. No one knew that I was having this dialogue with God. There was an open heaven for me. And I, I pointed to Africa, and the Lord said, that's where I'm going to send you. That's where I'm going to send you. Now, I'm going to tell you the other side of the story. So I'm all caught up in the heavenlies, you know. I've had an open heaven experience. God spoke to me that day. And I turned to my wife. We were both young. We were both in our 20s, you know. And I said, Harriet, God just spoke to me. We're going to Africa. And she looked back at me with those beautiful eyes. She said, he called you, but he didn't call me. <laughs> he called you, but he didn't call me. Well, now there was a problem. And I felt the Lord say, don't worry, I got this. I got this. Just leave it alone. I got this. And it was in another chapel service. It was another chapel service right here with tears coming out of her eyes. Harriet said, yes. Several months later, yes, God has called us to Africa. And we went to Nigeria years later. And so this is a place where there's an open heaven. You're not just here to get head knowledge. You're not here just to get good theology, which all of that is very important. But you're here to go beyond, to go even deeper, deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
If you don't come out of Elam madly in love with Jesus, then you've missed the very essence of what these teachers and what these professors have been trying to communicate to you. If you don't come out of this school feeling that I can't live without Jesus, then you've missed it. You see, that requires an open heaven to take you to the next level of your walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ. But let's get into some specifics of what Isaiah saw. Because what you see, what you hear, will determine how you respond when the call of God comes on your life. You see, that open heaven was necessary for Isaiah so he could answer the, respond to the call. Who shall go for us? If it wasn't for the verses before that, Isaiah probably would not. He would have just checked out. And so when we're talking about the call to missions, we're talking about the need for God to do something extraordinary in our lives. Now, number one, Isaiah saw the Lord. Isaiah saw God sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, which represents God's omnipotence, God's supremacy. It was the invisible and incomprehensible God making himself known to Isaiah. There's a knowing about God that transcends human understanding. And that's, what God, that's where God wants to take you here at Elam. You need the foundations of knowing the 52 books in the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament service. But there's something that God wants to take that and use it as a springboard into something deeper. Deeper. You know what, saints? If you study church history, every new move of God begins with a fresh encounter with God's glory and honor and power. It doesn't start any other way. Every new move of God begins with a fresh encounter with God. That's why, that's why Elam presses so hard for the presence. That's why we press so hard here for the presence. Because that's where the new thing God does in your life begins. That's where it begins. And then Isaiah sees the angels, which represent the vastness of those who are in his kingdom. The Bible says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Folks, you and I aren't the only ones. God has multitudes in the unseen realm. Multitudes. And we are privileged to be called to be part of those multitudes. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Then Isaiah heard the proclamation of those witnesses who proclaimed, they proclaimed night and day the holiness and the glory of the Lord. Isaiah 6, 4 says, The foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. This is amazing. Heaven itself is shaken and moved by the proclamation of God's glory and the praise of his name. Heaven itself is moved by the praises and the shouts 
of, that, of those multitude of witnesses. And so I, I believe that this image serves as a measuring rod for our worship. Does our worship and praise shake the foundations of heaven and fill God's temple with the smoke of our passion for God? I'm not talking about loudness, being loud. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about zeal and intensity and a love for God, which is fueled and led by the Spirit of God. I learned how to worship here in, at Elam. I learned how to worship here at Elam. Unrestrained, unbridled. Unbridled and unrestrained. Just sharing our love for the King of Kings, our Master and our Lord. That, that was one of the primary statements about Elam. And when you learn that you can do this 24-7, you don't have to be in chapel to worship God radically. You don't have to have the music and, and the worship team. We're wired to be worshipers 24-7. And our worship can shake heaven. You know, the primary subject matter of those who belong to God's kingdom, from what we read here, the primary subject matter of those who belong to God's kingdom and those who abide in the presence is God's holiness and God's glory. The thing that most the thing that must get you excited more than anything else is the holiness and the glory of God. When I first came, the glory of God was somewhat confusing to me. Well, God must have some kind of ego. All he wants is his glory. He's got a little issue here. I, I, I didn't want to announce that. I just, in my human reason, I couldn't understand. But when you realize what God's glory is, God's glory is the essence of everything that is good in the earth. It is the perfection of everything that exists. It is life and gives life itself. So what Isaiah saw and what Isaiah heard from this open heaven experience led to his personal transformation. Remember, we're talking about God has specific goals and objectives whenever heaven opens up for us. You know, it's when you see God for who he is, then you are able to really see who you are. Let me say that again. It's when you see God for who he really is, then you are able to really see who you are. So what, 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 what's that? What does that mean? How does that, why is that? It's because that you and I were created in the image and the likeness of God. Meaning that we have been created to reflect his character and his nature. That's why we were created. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care what nation you're from. You were created to reflect his nature and character. That's why you were created. Hallelujah. That's God's ultimate purpose for your life, to reflect his character and his nature. 
So when you see God as he is, we immediately see where and how we don't measure up. Immediately we see it. Wow. Isaiah's shortcomings and our shortcomings are in stark contrast to God's holiness and God's perfections. Isaiah has a woe is me experience. A woe is me experience. God, I am not what I should be, nor is my life a reflection of who you are. You see, that's the precious thing about Elam. Though God loves you the way you are, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. You've heard that. And so though you've come to Elam hungry and thirsty for God, God says, I know you are hungry and thirsty for me, but there's more to your hunger and thirst. And I'm going to show you myself so that you can see yourself. And so Isaiah realizes that those around him in the earthly reality are in the same state that he's in. We can't put our trust and confidence in man to help when we're going through a crisis or a transitional period in life. We need to put our eyes, our eyes on the Lord. We need to see him as he is. We need an open heaven today. He is above COVID-19. He's above a woeful economy. He's above a, a political state of affairs. He's on his throne. He's in the midst of all that is happening. And we should be declaring his glory. We should be declaring his praise. Hallelujah. We need an open heaven. We need an open heaven. Matt, do I just have a few more minutes? I'm sorry. God sent an angel to relieve Isaiah of his brokenness and shame. The angel came and took the coal off the altar. You see, when there's an open heaven, God deals, he deals with unresolved issues and strongholds in our lives. He deals with them. I, I, I had an issue, you know. You know, you, know, you young people think that uh, this issue with race is just, you know, kind of new. We were dealing with this in the 70s. Isn't that right, Dr. A? We were dealing with this in the 70s. I mean, we had big problems. <laughs> we had big problems. And I came to the campus with a chip on my shoulder. I, I'd admit it. I came on this campus with a big chip on my shoulder because I was caught up in all this stuff that was going on. And it was an unresolved issue in my life. It was like a stronghold in my life. And you see, when there's an open heaven, it provides the greatest time to heal, to be restored, to deal with unresolved issues and strongholds. You will hear what the Lord will say. Things like, I'm asking you to forgive. I'm asking you to let it go. Let it go. Talking about holding offenses in your life. God, you can hear God saying, I'm asking you to go to those who hurt you and forgive them. And I'm asking you to, to, to go to those you hurt, you hurt, and ask for forgiveness. You see, that's what happens in an open heaven. God just rips open the veil. 
of our hearts. Elam is not for everybody. Because not everybody is going to go that far in their relationship with God. Most of the people who followed Jesus at the end of his life, they left him. But when there is an open heaven, when there's an open heaven, in a moment and an instant of time, strongholds can be broken and unresolved issues can be resolved. Brothers and sisters, there is abundant grace, mercy, and healing and forgiveness in his presence. There is, there is, there is. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what you've suffered. There is in his presence. There's no issue that you've gone through that his grace and mercy can't take care of. And one moment, one moment with heaven open, you can get everything you need to fix that which needs to be fixed. And let me encourage you, students, when an open heaven happens and these things come to light in your life, don't run from his presence. Don't have to get up and go to the bathroom right away. I just got to get up and go to the bathroom. I got to get up and go water. When are we going to eat? What time? Don't, don't run from his presence and seek to escape an uncomfortable time of divine and personal reckoning. It's possible that God will dispatch angels to bring strength and comfort in your own brokenness and distress, but it's his blood of Jesus alone that cleanses and washes away our iniquities. I'm coming to the end. Saints, we're living in days and times when an open heaven are going to be more frequent as God's kingdom agenda accelerates in the earth during this 11th hour. And you may be a facilitator, God, a person that God uses to facilitate an open, an open, king, an open heaven because you've been there. You've experienced the blessings and the benefits of God's open heaven. In verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 6. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Isaiah then hears the voice. I heard the voice of the Lord saying. I want to camp there for just a second. I heard the voice of the Lord saying. One of the most important words that is spoken to the end time church that you and I are part of. To the 11th hour generation that you and I are part of. It's found in the book of Revelations chapter 2 and 3. It says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. I'm stressing the importance that while you're here at Elam of hearing the word of the Lord. Because when there is an open heaven, when there's an open heaven, God is always speaking. And when there's an open heaven and you realize that you're in the presence of a new and extraordinary move of God, pull out your paper, take your pen, and begin to write what comes to your ear. He's got something to say. And there's a rhema word for you here at Elam. There's a rhema word for you. When we get to verse 8, Isaiah is a changed man. He's been transformed. 
He's not only capable of hearing the voice, he's willing and able to say yes to the voice of God. If the piano player could come up, I'd appreciate it. You see, when there is an open heaven, saints, when there is an open heaven, you are no longer defined by your past. You're no longer defined by where you have come from. You are now defined by what you have seen, what you have heard, and what you have experienced under God's open heaven. God himself has made Isaiah ready to be light and salt to the nations. I'm going to say something to you, Gila Mission. I was not convinced that God was calling me to come and be the missions director at Elam until I heard that great man, Ernie Tanner. And Ernie was speaking. I don't know if it was here or it was at EGC. I can't remember, Brother Ben. And Ernie was telling the story like you were telling about how everybody said it couldn't happen and how helicopters were going to be the means of taking the gospel to the very remote and the very unreached peoples of the world. And suddenly there was an open heaven and God was speaking through Ernie. It wasn't Ernie anymore speaking. It was God speaking to me through Ernie. And the Lord was saying to me, when I heard Ernie say that, don't you want to be part of what I'm doing? I said, yes, God, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want so bad to be what you're doing and I said yes to be the missions director you see whenever there's an open heaven God is speaking there is a rhema word in closing I didn't get into the the basics of missions maybe you were looking for that but missions is motivated by God's plans for His Son. That's what motivates missions. It's motivated by God's plans for His sons, His Son. When He said to His Son, ask of me. God was saying, the Father was saying to His Son, ask of me, and I will give you India. I will give you Kenya. I will give you Germany. I will give you Sweden. I will give you Germany. Ask of me. I will give you Brazil and Mexico. Missions is motivated by God's plan for His Son, which is to proclaim Christ's salvation and to proclaim His glory, not our glory, but Christ's glory throughout the earth. The most important qualification, the most important qualification for the call to missions is possessing the character and the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the most important qualification to be a missionary God is looking for people who will answer the call to go 
who bear the image and the likeness of his son. Hey! That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Who will bear the image of his son. There's an open heaven over your life so that the imprint of Jesus will be upon you